0: They go, yes, I need to make a change. Then we try to figure out, I work with people on which thing do you need to do first? Do you need to first figure out what you want to be when you grow up? You know, are you having a, this work isn't right for me anymore. This industry is awful. Like I don't, I don't want to be a copywriter anymore. I want to be a marketing strategist. That is a different path than I like what I'm doing, I just don't like where I'm doing it. I want to go find a better place to do it. I got to execute a job search. So I dig into that and then take people through processes to help them do the next thing.
1: Welcome to the Creative Chats podcast with Mike Brennan. Welcome friends to another episode of Creative Chats. It's the podcast for artists, makers, and content creators, where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. I'm your host, Mike Brennan. You can connect with me over on Instagram, I'm at MikeBone, and you can check out some of my work, which is on my website, MikeBrennan.me. I'd also love to extend an invitation to you to join our free Facebook group called Daily Creative Habit. It's where all types of creatives are showing up to say, I want to be more consistent with my creativity and craft. And if you would like to be a part of that community, we would love to have you go to dailycreativehabit.com to sign up to be a part of that group. Also, you can sign up for the free Daily Creative Habit newsletter. This is a newsletter that comes twice a week right now. It comes Mondays and Fridays. The newsletter is packed with resources and inspiration and also Daily prompts that are centered around creativity, and it doesn't matter if you're a visual artist, musician, content creator, what your creative expression is. These prompts are designed to get you thinking and engage with your own creativity and establish your own daily creative habit. Go to dailycreativehabit.com and subscribe today. Hey, I'm excited to bring you this episode with my friend, Diana Alt. And Diana is an executive coach and career growth strategist. And I know you may be thinking like, well, what does that have to do with creativity? Well, we actually talk about that on this episode and how creativity shows up for her personally and even how she can help those who may be creative professionals. Sometimes, you know, you're in a role like that and you hit a wall and you're trying to figure out, okay, what is my next move? Because where I am is not working And uh, maybe you need some clarity on where you need to be and help uh, just identifying some problems that you may be encountering to know whether or not it's an environment issue, it's a personnel issue, uh, it's a skill issue, uh, a desire to continue in a certain field. And so uh, Diane is great at trying to resolve those issues by asking a lot of questions and walking people through her four pillars. And so we get into that on this conversation as well as just some friendly chat because I love Diana, she's a good friend of mine. And uh, I know you're gonna enjoy this episode. So without further ado, here is my Creative Chat with Diana Alt. Well, Diana, my friend, welcome to the Creative Chats podcast. This has been a long time coming.
0: Yes, it has, yes it has. Your least creative friend is on the creative podcast.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. Oh man. But this is going to be a good episode. I love this. And I love when I can have friends on because people can get that little peek, the inside, you know, behind the curtain kind of thing um, to some, some other parts of my life here. And um, we met at The Thing from Terry Weaver, you know, the conference that we go to again and again, that community has been so great. And um, we've just been fast friends for years now. So I love uh-huh. it.
0: Yeah, my pandemic friend. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I'm
1: in the wrong room of
0: the house because if I was um, in the right room of the house where where I not really set up today, there would be color block Robert Downey Jr. behind me to match your color block Jeff Goldblum. So yes, yes, that's one of my my favorite birthday present ever.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I love that it holds a special place in your home. So yeah, yes. So why don't we, before we get too far into some things, uh, why don't you just, you know, give us that little soundbite of like who you are, what you do, so people have some context.
0: So uh, my, I am a nobius career strategy and executive coach, and um, I joke earlier about being the least creative uh, guest you've ever had because my background was always in the IT, the tech sector. And I don't necessarily create art or music or write books like a lot of your guests. Instead, my creativity is around people and helping them figure out how to make work work for them. So, um, and also prior to leaning into this full-time for my business, I was constantly the problem solver, the consensus builder, the product visionary, that kind of stuff. Um, That's what I've done. So, I basically help people dig into who they are and what they actually want. Cause it's very, very disregarded whenever we're managing our careers so that they can have an awesome work life. Um, I do that because it's really, really hard to have an awesome whole life if work is horrible or yeah. you know only so, so.
1: Yeah. I love that. And yes, you, your creativity shows up in different ways and I think it's it's awesome that we're having this conversation today, too, because I've talked about that on past podcasts of how, you know, I think really we're all creative. It's just a matter of how our creativity shows up or how we pursue it to let it show up in our lives. And it might not be what we consider the obvious expressions of art, like you said, drawing, painting, dance, music, etc. But it might be in organization and systems. It might be in creating a life. Um, it might be in, you know, creating goals and in identifying the things within you that are really important to you. And so.
0: Or solutions. Exactly. Can I put you on the spot?
1: Oh boy. I'm going
0: to ask you.
1: Just just remember, I have the power to edit. Okay. So go ahead. (laughs) (laughs)
0: But no, I'm going to ask you seriously. Yeah. um, What do you see in as creativity coming out of Diana? So you're like my creative expert, you know, you and McNair and a few other people are kind of, um, the go-to people that I think, think of about creativity, what do you see whenever you interact with me or see me doing yes. my thing?
1: <clears throat> yeah. I see a lot of, uh, more recently, uh, content creation, right. And so you're constantly putting out things that are helpful for people that are, you know, your, your tips on Tuesdays, um, the videos that you put out and say like, here's some practical things for people to hone in on and whether that's you know how to rebuild your resume or how to navigate an interview um, all these different things that people struggle with and need resources for you show up and you present this stuff in a way that's accessible and is creative and you're helping people see you as their go-to person for that and so it's creating platform it's creating content it's creating um, some of the systems, you know, I know as a, as a fellow entrepreneur, um, all the things that you need to do behind the scenes that nobody sees, but in order for you to be actually showing up and doing the things that you're doing. Um, and then even, you know, we were just talking earlier about how, you know, you're going, you're going to be speaking at the thing conference this year as well. And, um, you're creating that talk and you're crafting your experiences into some information and, and, um, and just delivering it in a way that, again, I think is very accessible for people. So um, that's how I see creativity showing up mostly in, you know, the in how you're taking your expertise and marrying it with, you know, the the platforms that you're on and bringing it to people.
0: I love that. And I, I wanted to ask you that question for a while. And I mm-hmm. literally saved it on purpose. <laughs> so, yes. Thank you for indulging me.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's
0: an important question because, you know, I never, I never um used the term creative about myself until I was in my early 40s. Mm-hmm. So it was the last couple of years that I was working in corporate that I had a boss that told me one day that I was one of the most creative people he had ever worked with. And I was mm-hmm. like, stop. No, I'm not. <laughs> No, I'm not. And um, we had a whole conversation about how uh, I'm always looking for solutions. I'm always looking to pair up the right relationships, like so we can get to consensus or pull in another stakeholder that would have been disregarded or those kinds of things. And how that was its own unique kind of creativity. And I just thought it was my job. You know, at that point, um, it was before I leapt into this whole world that I'm part of now. Um, I did some coaching, you know, this coaching thing that I've been doing for, for career coaching I've been doing for almost 10 years now. I can't believe it. I looked at my LinkedIn the other day <laughs> and noticed that, but I just thought it was helping people. I never thought of anything that I did as creative. And now I'm really like turning my back on that old definition of myself
2: mm-hmm. holy, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Holy but it's taken five years mm-hmm. from the time that was first brought up for that boss for me to really say, Oh, yeah, I am a creative. Or as McNair yeah. would say, a creator. He
1: likes yes. To <laughs> well, and I think you bring up a good point too, in that, you know, creativity so often is about how we see things. And mm-hmm. when you talk about seeing solutions and whether that's in, something that needs to be done in a system or um you're giving somebody practical advice in a path to follow or it's seeing in somebody else like oh you two people need to actually get together on something because i see some things that you guys aren't seeing and my mm-hmm. creativity is at work you're already envisioning where this could go and what this could look like when some people are, are just they're they're like how do you see that? How do you, how do you make those connections? Um, and I think that's an important part of identifying what creativity is too, is how we show up and how we see things, right. And how we make yeah. those connections.
0: Yeah. I always thought I never thought of seeing as being part of creativity. Mm-hmm. Because So often you think about the person consuming, whatever that creative content is. And also growing up, my primary medium for creativity of any kind was music and I didn't compose music, but I was in band and I was in choir. um, for many, many years, I was actually in the all state choir in high school. Don't ask me to sing now, but (laughs) I was in the all state choir in high school. And so it, that's not a visual medium.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Reading was my other favorite hobby and I was always really, really strong writer, but I never thought about that in the same way. So um, as visual artists, to me, the creatives were always the people that can make the art that you have behind you, the people that have stuff in museums, that kind of stuff. To me, is what creative was. So, I really appreciate that boss. Um, his name's Nate, that kind of unlocked me thinking differently about myself. Because at the time, one of my superpowers, um, is pinning down a problem mm-hmm. really fast, like if someone is struggling in their business or having an issue with a relationship or stuck on their job search, I can ask a few questions and I can get to the heart of the problem really fast. Well, in corporate America, when people wanted like conformance, this was not a valued thing by a lot of people that manager loved it, but a lot of other people, you know, are scared to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. So I've always been that person that will ask the question and nobody else wants to ask because they're afraid to ask it. And that is my tool that I, you use your digital art applications and you use your paints and your canvas and your papers and pens and whatever, whenever you're doing, um, analog art, is that what we call it now?
1: <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> traditional,
0: traditional, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I like analog art. I think mm-hmm. that's good, but that's my, my tool is questions. Yeah. Just like your tool is your tablet with your apple pencil and whatever apps they use
1: yeah well and and there's a a, there's something really important to be said for being curious and I think curiosity unlocks things whether it's solutions whether it's um a way of thinking that won't happen unless we get curious and ask those questions and Mm -hmm. keep asking questions not just being satisfied to stay on the surface level of things um, and I definitely see that as a strength for you as well, where you like you said, you you're not afraid to ask the tough questions. Um yeah. matter of fact, you dive headlong into it and you know that it's important because to engage in that process, it's not just simply for the sake of asking questions and talking. It's leading someplace deeper and more meaningful and uncovering things that you can't get to any other way.
0: Can I tell you something funny that I used to tell people during job interviews? Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is great. So for your more curious clients, they may enjoy this, especially if they're a little bit cheeky like me. I used to tell people, especially whoever was going to be my boss, like the hiring manager, Uh um, that I'm basically a four-year-old. Because I'm going to ask you questions all day. One of the top questions I'm going to ask you is why, why, why. And it's not, um, I've since actually learned through coaching training and whatnot, that why is often not the best question because it can be loaded with judgment. But I, yeah, I always tell them like, I'm like a four-year-old. I'm going to ask all the things and just recognize that I'm trying to learn. And then I would sell it that my superpower is not that I was in a certain domain for umpteen years. Mm -hmm. It's that I walk in and I am curious and ask the questions to learn quickly, which is advice that I give to people all the time. Because most of my clients actually are in tech or engineering or something adjacent to that. And the interesting thing about that is that about you know five to eight years ago, half the job titles that you see right now didn't exist. Yeah, which means no nobody has like fifteen years of experience as a data scientist um, unless they have like a research driven PhD. Um, but there's a lot of people that are entering data science through boot camps or through through other ways, and so they have to be able to explain. Here's why I'm qualified. Like you might not see that job title all over my resume for 15 years because it wasn't a thing 15 years ago. But I've been solving these kinds of problems forever and I've been asking these kinds of questions forever.
1: So. Yeah. I love it because that's the thread that runs through everything. And that's even when I ask people on the podcast, you know, those who who identify themselves as either creative professionals or they are engaged in some some of the other arts type things. I like to go back and ask how has that showed up in their life in the past? Because you're right. It's it's when people do things that are either their natural giftings or their interests, their passions, it has a way of showing up. And sometimes they can't see it themselves. Right. But it takes somebody else coming along and saying, Oh, I see that thread running through there. I see how wow. this is now we can take this and actually um, you know, talk about it in a way that makes sense. So that's not just like these, you know different parts that are like, uh, I don't really know what to do with that, but there's actually a, th- a thread that runs through.
0: Yeah. Um, Roberto, have you had Roberto on your show? Roberto Condalaria? No, not yet. Okay. He's, he's a very, he's creative in some of the same ways that I'm creative. Yeah. I was in his mastermind last year and he and I, whenever I felt like my brain was mush, cause he would basically do for me what I do for other people. Cause when you're inside the wine bottle, it's really hard to read the label. And so when we were trying to figure out the threads or whatever I was doing, he talked about it like a jigsaw puzzle. And when you start out with a jigsaw puzzle, it's just a whole bunch of crap in the box, you know, and you spend 10 minutes in that thousand piece jigsaw puzzle, just getting everything right side up. Right. Um, And then, you know, I'm not a huge puzzles person, but when I've done them, you know, uh, you do a little sorting by color. That's one way you can work it. Also, you can work around the edges. Like, oh, let's look for the straight pieces. We need to do that and then you can look for oh how's the color looking and those those are the threads that turn into the picture when you're trying to get through the thousand page this the thousand piece puzzle mess and i feel like what i do is help people like finish their puzzle faster but without doing it for them Mm,
1: yeah yeah and that's so so valuable because i think A lot of times people are in the midst of something and they feel like they just need somebody who understands the context and has the skills to be able to help them navigate something so that you know let's face it i mean if somebody's in a position especially in a corporate space and they're struggling with either the position's not working there's something they feel like they need to move they they but they're really not sure how to navigate that space they obviously can't talk about that in their workplace, right, uh, for the most part. I mean, sometimes you have, you know, managers or somebody who's like, hey, It'd come to me, good, whatever, man. but, you know, yeah. Uh, but for the most part, it's it's kind of like that thing that people just kind of like go, oh, I'm going to talk about that with my friends and, and whatever. But they may not have somebody that they can go to to be that person. Um, and I love that you bring that to the table for people, you know?
0: Yeah. It's, it's amazing how often just a few pointed questions can, or a couple of observations can um, really unlock things for people. So I remember, so one of the things I talk about with my clients all the time is I believe that there are four key pillars to an ideal job. And this applies whether you are working for an employee, you know, working as an employer, you're running your own business. I'd actually argue that it's higher stakes if you're running your own business because it's a heck of a lot easier to give two weeks notice and take another job than it is to untangle yourself from, um, commitments that you made. But the pillars are, um, that you're doing the right work for you. Like you're doing work that you're interested in and it's the appropriate level of challenge and it's skills that you like to do. You're not bored, that kind of stuff you're working with the right leaders. So you have a boss that manage you and that manages you in a style that you are comfortable with. Some people need super, lots of supervision closely. Some people are like the Ronco registry grill, just like set it and forget it. Um, It doesn't matter, but you want to work with the right people uh, or, or with the right leader and also have like an organization with the right strategic direction. And then there's the environment, you know, do I have a flexible enough environment? Can I leave for New York in the middle of the afternoon on a Friday, like I know you're planning to do after we <laughs> get off the call? Yeah. Um. And you, are you being paid fairly? Like, uh, is it bureaucratic? Is it looser? And then the culture. So, are you seeing values in action that you can align with? Those are the things. And I'll never forget that we were in G- back in June. We were at the thing, in I call it's the the um. The thing stages, pages, wages
2: mm-hmm.
0: in June. And there was a gentleman in the audience that ended up with the hot seat on an impromptu fashion. And he was trying to justify that his current job was basically f- he loved his work. He loved his work. He loved his work. But he was somehow unhappy. And I ran through those pillars during that hot seat and said, like, your job's 75% wrong. Mm. You like the work and you don't like anything else. None of the rest of it works. Most people don't think that way. So, um, really getting into what it is that I want is very, very important and being willing to say out loud, well, you know, my work is great, but my boss is not, my boss and I don't gel and the culture's okay. And I really need to not be in the office five days a week. Like this is my situation. It'll help you figure out, you know, can I fix this job? Can I, Mm -hmm. do I have to leave? You know, what are the things that, what are the switches that I can flip? in order to make this work better for me. So yeah,
1: yeah, that's great. I love those pillars uh, and bring such clarity. Um, One of the things I'd love to to dive into is specifically for the people who may be listening, who are creative professionals, Maybe they're designers, copywriters uh, that work in corporate space, or you know, they're they're leveraging their creative abilities in service to somebody else in, you know, in a job, right, a nine to five or, or what have you. Um, let's face it, it's not really nine to five, especially with creative stuff. But yeah. um, I remember trying to navigate some of that space and some of the frustrations that were involved because oh, I can't wait to talk about this. You know, there were times when. I'm like, okay, this is what I was told was important for me to get this stable job because it has health insurance, it has, you know, decent pay, and I have clients that maybe are high-profile clients, and so it can boost my portfolio, give me the experience, you know, all those things. And yet, I found myself a lot of times in environments that, well, sometimes we're less than supportive, especially for things that didn't align with where i wanted to go with my creativity Mm -hmm. and i was in this tension of like i'm spending all day long using my creative abilities for other people um doing all this work that you know yeah i'm proud of this work and it was good work at the end of the day um but sometimes less than ideal constraints um and then also trying to navigate the the personal passion project pieces that i talk about sometimes but specifically talking about the person who's in that role who's in corporate or or what have you, and they know that they need to make a move, and yet they're feeling stuck, they're feeling frustrated. Uh, Have you encountered people who maybe are in that situation or have been in that situation? And what would you say to that person as far as, like they know that there needs to be change, but they're really not sure what the next step looks like?
0: So the first thing we need to do is figure out what's broken, Hmm. Um, specifically. And that's a thing that I challenge people on a lot. So here's an example of a question, the thing that people throw away and say a lot, and I have to dig deeper. My boss is a micromanager. Okay. I hear that from people a lot. Well, I need to dig into what do you actually mean by that? Because for some people, a micromanager is literally the guy standing over your cube, breathing down your neck. And for other people, if their boss asks them questions, or wants them to follow a process that the company has established and that feels like micromanagement. Well, if you are in the situation where you're inside a company that has an established workflow, you know, like a creative approval process, which I have gone, I've been part of that before, which I was utterly unqualified to do, but okay. I was part of that. Cause I was an account manager at a digital, like a digital marketing agency. If your problem is that you don't like that people are holding you to a process, that's not a problem with a micromanaging boss. That is a problem that you're in the right environment. Hmm. So I like to ask very pointed questions so we can figure out which pillars are broken. If you have a boss that's saying abusive things to you, disregarding you, you know, not listening, answering your questions, or doing the thing where they're standing over you in the cube. So you're too nervous to even work, then that might in fact be a boss problem. But it's not always the it's not even always the pillar that you think is broken is hmm. the one and so i love working with people through that. um as far as um m- getting the gumption to make the change. so there's there's convincing yourself to make the change or to start taking action and then there's actually knowing what steps to do. if you're not sold that you even need to do anything different, you're not going to bother to go find out how. so i like to try t- if i'm not crystal clear that someone really is committed to actually digging in and making the change, I have some really kind of mic drop questions for them. And one of them is, is the job that you're in, have they earned the right for you to work there for another year? Mm. The default position that everybody has about Jobs and even clients, like if if the clients that you work with are of an ongoing nature, like some sort of marketing services retainer or copywriting retainer or something like that, the default position is always, well, I'm going to keep this client or I'm going to keep this job. But is that the right default position? You know, Mm -hmm. when I was a 1099 contractor, I would ask myself that question every day. And if the answer was, I don't know about that, then I would, you know, think about why and figure out who I needed to talk to. And sometimes you just need like some mac and cheese for dinner and to go to bed early and you you kind kind of talk yourself out of your snit. But other times you, you really inspect and figure out, man, this is just not right for me anymore. I've exhausted my possibilities. If that question doesn't work because inertia is strong then another question I like to ask is, is this job worthy of being the last job you ever hold in your life? Mm-hmm. And the reason I ask that one is because I know people who basically got ill and died early. They didn't live to 70 something. They lived to 40, they lived to 50. Um, and they, their last job was horrible. And so, and in one case, I have a cousin that passed away last summer And the last job that she had been in, she was miserable for like three or four years, at least she just hated it. She hated it, but she felt trapped by it and got increasingly depressed. And, you know, that makes it harder and harder and harder to make moves. And so I like to smack people over the head with that question, which sometimes they're not prepared to answer. Sometimes they fight me a little bit on it and then come back later and go, okay, yeah, you're right. Um, Mm -hmm you know, there's a variety of, of responses I have to that. Um, I can really tell whenever it's the powerful question, when they just go completely silent, Mm -hmm. they're completely silent because that's a, no, it's not, but I'm scared of how to change. So (laughs) answer your question. Response.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So once we, once we get through, you know, what, is, you know, do, is it really time to go? Like, are you there? If some people aren't there. You, I can look at people and go, you needed to leave two years ago. But if they're not ready to do it, then I'm. I'm it's a waste of my time. I'm wasting my breath if ever I talk about it. Um, but once they've gotten to the point where they go, yes, I need to make a change. Then we try to figure out, I work with people on which thing do you need to do first? Do you need to first figure out what you want to be when you grow up? You know, are you having a this work isn't right for me anymore. This industry is awful. Like I don't I don't want to be a copywriter anymore. I want to be a strategy, marketing strategist. That is a different path than I like what I'm doing, I just don't like where I'm doing it. I want to go find a better place to do it. I got to execute a job search. So, I dig into that and then take people through processes to help them do the next thing.
2: Mm, so,
1: yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um and I think especially with like your typical creative person, sometimes there's this sense of, I'm just so happy that someone has hired me to, for me to be able to use my skills, that I'm willing to lay down my rights if you will um, just to be able to get my foot in the door or have this opportunity or see what this grows into um and i think that's very slippery slope because you know i remember early on even in my own career like i didn't define well enough what does the successful path look like what is it that i really want this to to look like where do i want to go with that right like it was simply my goal was get a job in a place that I could use my creativity and get paid good enough and have health insurance and you know, kind of be on my path in life, right? Um, but then also what happened was I found myself not really taking ownership and agency over my own journey and choices. And so I would show up to work and I would say, hey, tell me what to do. I will be the greatest worker bee ever. I will work so hard and I'll be consistent. But tell me what to do. And so I really, through my own journey and, and missteps and, and all the rest of the windy path, had to learn how to own that part of my journey to go, no, you know what? Like, there's more here than me just showing up and saying, here's my skill set. Now put me to work um, and figuring out what is it that's really aligned with me and what is it that I really want to do. Um, yeah. so if, if somebody's listening right now and they're like, oh my gosh, this is totally lighting up my brain. Like this is where I'm at right now. What would you say in response to those, uh, prompts?
0: Oh, there's a lot to unpack there. So, um, one of the very first things that I like to tell people is what you want actually matters. And I follow it up quickly with, and you should say it out loud. Because, and there's, there's people that don't know what they want. And part of what I do with that, what do you want to be when you grow up kind of program that I work people through is actually helping them get to the point where they can go from confused into, you know, one or two job titles or types of businesses they can own or something like that, that would, that would be well aligned for them. But it's really, really interesting how many people are afraid or deconditioned from saying what they want. So you and I are good, solid, smack in the middle of Gen X. And we were like the latchkey kids that were raised with, if work was fun, we wouldn't call it work. Like that kind of ethos. Yeah. So we were kind of raised, we we're raised to be very independent in a lot of ways, but also raised kind of to be a victim of our circumstance at work so I'm a big believer in trying to elevate people out of that by getting them to say what they want. And for a very long time, before I had developed some of the frameworks that I have in my business, there was one tool that I used very early on in an engagement and I called it the next move dream sheet. And it was just a freaking word doc. Didn't even have a logo on it because I didn't have a logo the first <laughs> five years of my business. Um, and it just had a whole bunch of questions about what do you want in your next job, what skills would you like to use, what kind of environment, do you, what kind of commute do you want? And um, I'm actually in the process of revisiting it because I know so many more factors that are important. But I make them write it down what they want, and then when you when you go through that process, and when I when I work with clients, ultimately I I have them often distill into you know a key thing. They get to the point where they can say. I would love to be a conversion copywriter um, working for a B2C brand that is app focused. You know, that is something that could come out of somebody's mouth because conversion copywriting in an app is an interesting challenge. There's not a lot of space. Copywriting is already hard. Right. Um, But once they get to that, they need to say it out loud and they need to own why they want to do it. And they need to either own what their qualifications already are, or they need to own the gap so they can go fill it. Mm. Um, and when you go through those processes, you start to have confidence in what you want and you start to have more confidence than you can do it. I am a realist. And I recognize that just because you wake up one morning and say, I want to be a unicorn wrangler doesn't mean there's actually <laughs> unicorn wrangler openings. So I'm very conscious that someone may have a dream that we have to back into what are the steps that you want to take in order to do it. And with my clients that are in tech, often they think the path is I just need to go get another set of letters behind my name. Like tech is the most certification addicted industry that there is. So people think, oh, well, I'll go get a PMP and I can be a project manager now. Well, that's not actually how that works. Number one the pmp which stands for project management professional you already have to have 5 years of experience as a project manager to get that it's a more advanced certification and number 2 people want experience too so you got to kind of i'm oftentimes either working directly with people uh, if i have you know domain competency or i'm asking them to go and you know talk to a mentor in their in their specific role To figure out what is the combo of experience, certifications, education, relationships that you need in order to be able to do that. Because sometimes the dream is something you can get to in three years. But if you have a toxic boss right now, or if the interim steps to get to the dream cannot be done inside your company that you're already in, then you got to figure out what to do. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah i love that there's such practicality to your advice too um because so many times you know especially as creative people like it's easy to live in your head and to to be in dream world and to be with imagination and then get stuck on the practical of like okay well how do we actually get there and in terms of owning your own you know path and your own um just career and your work um asking those questions putting those steps in place gathering around yourself the right people like you said um looking towards who who has gone on ahead of you asking mentors for advice um those are those are such key moments for for people to be able to navigate these these spaces uh and you know um i love that your heart is to help people you know to to get people to the place where they're feeling like they're aligned and doing the work that they're just is significant to them and that they can make a a contribution and and do well.
0: Well, here's the thing. Life's too short to work a shitty job. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, it comes down to that. And I say that as a person that was widowed at 34, my husband was 40 and he got sick with brain cancer. And like he very, he didn't even start treatment before he had a seizure and passed away, but he had been in a very negative environment and had just accepted a job right before he got sick to go work in a much better environment with people that he'd worked with several years before. So it's like, things were looking up and then he got a brain tumor, but you know, things were looking up. And the hope and like the excited, like he wanted to get through treatment, not just to live, but he was actually excited to go and work with this team of people doing mm-hmm. cool stuff. And there's something really important about that. Uh, I, you know, I'd like people to wake up every day and feel that way. Because when you come home from a job that you walked into excited, you can serve your family or your friends or yourself better.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure.
0: Um, And I also think, you know, one thing I wanted to touch on is there's a tendency for people to hang out in packs, you know, the techies hang out with the techies and the, and the, Writers hang out with the writers and the visual artists hang out with the visual artists and all of that kind of stuff. And I'll tell you what, one of the most important things that I did whenever I started re- full time in my business is I went and found a community of people that were not doing the same thing that I was doing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because the complementary background and skills is so very valuable so a lot of people look in like, for example, in the entrepreneurial community they're like, I don't get it. I don't get what you do because (laughs) what I, I do some business consulting and I work with some entrepreneurs, but that's a little bit like my in and out secret menu. That is not the thing that is talked about the most on social media or on my website or things like that at this time. Um, I talk much more about career happiness, job search, um, career development type things, but I knew that I needed people to shake me out of this world where I'd spent 20 plus years in corporate. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a creative, that's trying to figure out what to do, you might want to work with a coach that is from a totally different background, like learn your creative skills from creative experts. And there are certain things about running your business, perhaps, that you might need to learn because it's a specific skill or it's something specific to the domain that you're in. But look deliberately for opportunities to commune and learn from people who are not doing the same thing that you do. Um, yeah. A really a really cool coach... Um, in the career space that I I actually got to meet her in person several years ago, and she's got like two and a half million followers on LinkedIn, like she's an institution. Um, Her name is JT O'Donnell. One of the things that she always talks about is to try to find um, three groups, you know, and she talks about it, you know, specifically, like go find these three groups on LinkedIn, but you can apply this principle anywhere. Find some people that are in your geography, Which I'm actually building back up because when we decided the pandemic for two and a half years, I feel like I lost Mm -hmm. my in-person network while developing a digital network. But find some people that are in your geography, find some people that are in your industry and find some people that are in your role. Um, and they don't all have to be in the same thing. So you can be in the, what? you could be in a Kansas city barbecue club and just know some people from Kansas city and get exposure to people. And then you could say, okay, I'm going to be a conversion copywriter. Like that's my set of people that I'm going to learn about, you know, skills in that role. And then maybe if you want to focus, like my example earlier on a B2B or a B2C app focused, you know, platform of some kind. You might go look for SaaS-based um, domain experts. You know, look in that SaaS software industry for something to plug into. Those are things that you can do that'll help you in all the areas you need to be helped, without making you just hanging out and you know at the coffee house with your hipster creative friends.
1: <laughs> yes, yes.
0: Or drinking kombucha with them. <laughs> Yeah. My most creative client right now is that he's a content strategist and he literally got on our last call and he was drinking kombucha and I was so proud of him and really jealous. Cause I, <laughs> sounds refreshing right now, yeah. but <laughs> you get the idea.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. And that's such great advice. Um, I want to just end things off just asking, um, I know you have some resources uh, available for some people and, you know, they're, they're listening along. Maybe there's people who are like, you know what I need to make sure that I get in Diana's orbit um, and follow along with, you know, watching your videos that you put out every week and just specifically you, you have a resource that that I know we were talking about earlier. So can you share a little bit about that and where people yeah. can find you?
0: So um, there's a few places people, people can find me. I'm sure Mike will put all of it in the show notes.
1: Yes, indeed.
0: So, um, a lot of people, if you're in that situation where you really want to prep for a move, like, you know, it's time to move on. And especially if you know, you, you know, what kind of role you want to go for, I have a, uh, a little guide of what shouldn't go on your resume,
2: Mm.
0: um, call it my resume don'ts guide. And you can grab that at dianateaches.com. It will put you on my highly entertaining email list as well. Um, but that'll help you with some of the common mistakes that people make with their resumes. So that's very tactical. If you're in the market or planning to be in the market right now, if you just want to stay in touch with me, the best places are, um, I have a, a strong presence on LinkedIn. I made a goal for 2022 that I would post at least once every single day. I was working on consistency. This nice. is hard, but, but I love a scheduler. Mm-hmm. was helpful. And so if you find me on LinkedIn, um, I'm very active there. And also you can visit my website, which is dianaaltz.com. And there's just a big green Let's Connect button at the top, which also will put you into kind of my ecosystem and point you to my Facebook group and all those other things we like to point people to.
1: Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm so, so thrilled that we were able to have this conversation today, Diana. And I know for sure that this is helping people on a practical level. And I'm sure even just... Speaking some of the stuff out loud, giving people permission to take a next step um, and giving them the the direction to point them in to say, yes, connect with you because you are an advocate and a help for people. Um, I'm I'm thrilled about this. So uh, thank you so much. And of course, you know, I always love hanging out with you and any opportunity we get to uh, just be together, uh, Um, even if it's in a virtual room
0: yeah we get to hang out in a few weeks in person
1: exactly exactly yeah we're gonna be in the same room at the thing event and um man it's gonna be good times so uh Mm. what's that
0: we'll be in the room where it happens
1: exactly 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 so well thank you again and um i just i encourage people right now to go check out your website get that download and um be sure to get in your orbit so thanks diana (laughs)